welcome to Stone Club Walks and Talks, episode two. Today we're going to be venturing to the northern Irish Antrim coast, and Lally and I are going to be walking with Michael Bates and Louise Parker. Michael's a record and vintage shop owner in Belfast, and Louise is a filmmaker, an actress and a writer. We're going to visit Ushin's grave, we're then going to move along the coast a little to the hidden village before going inland to Doak and visiting the Hold Stone. Our other guest today for a talk is Angela Samata, based in Merseyside, working in the arts and health, and we're going to explore her obsession and interest in all things ancient, particularly um, a newfound love of Anglesey. My name is Matthew Shaw, and I'm the co-founder of Stone Club with Lally Macbeth, and I'll be your host for today. Hello, I'm Lally Macbeth. Stone Club is a place for people to congregate, to muse, and most importantly, to stomp to stones. We believe the journey is as important as the destination, so come on a walk with us. begin at the bottom of the trackway on the walk up towards Ocean's Grave. So we just left, uh, we just left Cushendall, it's about a mile and a half, two miles away. We're walking yeah. up a, a track and there's, there's four of us here, there's uh, Lally, Louise, Michael, and uh, we can see the mountain over to our side. Uh, it's a beautiful day after a week of rain. And the air be crisp. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's crisp and nice, and uh, yeah, we're just wandering up the lane to see Ossian's grave, and um, let's see how we get on as we progress up this pathway to the ancient site. Skip. Um, so that's very. We. It's not. I've never walked it. I'd like to. I'd like to go down and explore no, yeah, there a bit more sometime. Um, yeah. Sort of things I've ever seen, like a, a bloodthirsty blotherhood has, has existed on those in the past and I think not past. Yeah, very. <laughs> it's a very prominent Silbury Hill-like mountain yeah. shape. Yeah. And. It's amazing how it occurs everywhere you look. It sort of appears above buildings. Yeah. And it's also like, when you talk about Glastonbury Tor, it has that sort of labyrinthine sort of feel going around it. And they, you know, I don't know where there's parts that would have been. Yeah. You know, man-made at one point. It's the great debate, isn't it? Or could it have been... Yeah, was it shaped or <laughs> is it completely natural? Or was it drills to get the early spuds in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is <laughs> it a maze? Is it a maze, yeah. 
I love the way the fields are opening up as well, seeing all of the shapes of the different boundaries and things over there. Yeah, this is the one thing about here, you know, we get a lot of drumlins, nice nooks and crannies. Yeah. And you know, there's always a you don't have to go too far to find a hidden gem. Yeah. And this is um I mean this is quite a steep climb as well, so Austin's grave is on a is it on the top of the hill? It, it, it's a, yeah. I guess it's a, a sort of hilltop feature. It's a, it's a hilltop feature, yeah. Uh, it's been 20 years since I've been there now, and to be honest with you... It's great though, 20 years on, 20 years to on. come back, especially after you've been exploring sites in Cornwall and everywhere else as well. Yeah, this is it. I mean, I've been exploring sites all my life. It's great, and it's just around here, you know, it's like a mackerel for several yeah. sites. You can have one for every day of the week. And then you find there's, there's always something, you know, hidden. Yeah, or something someone uh, else tells you about. Like, like a local farmer will tell you about it. And what I always tend to do is give the old ordnance survey maps because they would have listed all the ancient monuments. Yeah. some stones here as well in the yeah I wonder if they're cleared from something else it's hard to say isn't it what it is here? hard to say yeah I mean a lot of the smaller stones would have been pulled out to make walls and the bigger ones that they couldn't move generally this would have been left yeah when I mean, you're, you're looking at fields here years ago would have been covered in stones yeah and that's where the you know the walls came from and this and is an interesting houses. spot with the view over to the mountain and then that whole yeah. landscape and I love the way you can see through yeah, to the sea in different parts. And you can probably see why they chose it as a gravesite back then, because it is the landscape itself, you know, has a bit of magic to it here, hasn't it? It has. And without the field boundaries yeah. and the trees, it would have been a really clear view, I guess. Well, I mean, I wonder back then, you know, this would have been heavily forested, so would they have seen the view? That's it's what really you have to ask yourself. You know, yeah. <laughs> there would have been clearance. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing now. Oh, 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 the path of honey. What's it? Sunset and yes. you get across the water. That's the path yes. of the Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I can't. I can't remember what that. Is. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I see that all the time. I find it. Yeah. Oh, which, is, which is good. Only only for about a year to very. Yeah. But it's really good for ancient sites, guys, because yeah, it, is it, is the, it is the skeleton key yeah. the Oh, here we are. Oh, here we are. I just spotted it over there. So we've just entered the field with Austin's grave, and um, there's a tribute to the poet John Hewitt as you come in, like a stone can. Uh, with a slate marker and then in front of us now we've got Austin's grave uh, sort of in the middle of the field uh, somewhat central but also on the brow of a hill looking down towards the coast and 
It's a beautiful sight. We'll catch up for the next part of the walk with Michael, Louise and Lally shortly, but for now let's head over to Merseyside and to Angela Samata. Perhaps we could start with, we've worked together in lots of different capacities over the years, but um, it might be good to sort of just start with a general introduction into the nature of the different work you do, because um, that that's probably a good foundation before we have a conversation that goes on, uh, that gives a little bit of a foundation to, to, to who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah. And uh, thanks so much for asking me along today. It's uh, great to be having this conversation. Um, so I think unusually, uh, my I kind of have a, a foot in kind of two spheres, really. Um, I work in the art world and I've done that for 20 years. I have curated exhibitions, obviously worked with you on on, on different things, different arts projects. Um, I I'm also the chair of the Capital Advisory Board at Tate Liverpool, you know, while Tate is, is closed for a little while, so I'm doing that. And I've worked with lots of different artists um, and really, really interested in painting and, and sculpture. Um, so I've done that for a couple of decades now, but I also work uh, unusually in um, suicide prevention and mental health. And I've done that for, um, the same amount of time actually um and i think for me i i just love having having that duality and i i love it when projects sit across both both of those spheres so i love getting involved in uh mental health projects that are arts-based and and vice versa so um so yeah i i just love having that balance and and having that ability to kind of to, to work across both but also to bring people together from both of those worlds as well yeah i think it's it's a really interesting mix because there's so many mm. different layers to it as well it's not just as simple as one uh there's so many different layers to all of the work and how and how it sort of manifests um where did your beginning point um you know, what was the starting point with, with the arts world for you? What was the entry? Was it as an artist? No, absolutely not. I, I, de <laughs> I definitely leave it to the experts. Like, I I am not an artist. I, I think for me, I, I had just always wanted to be around work. I had always wanted to be, like, when I did my first degree, I did a psychology degree and I spent more time with the guys in the art studio and that was kind of like a bit of a hint that I was on the wrong course, actually. I shouldn't have been doing like <laughs> the, the, the cartography element of my degree with psychology. I should have totally been doing the, the art stuff. And um, so it just kind of went from there really. And then when I um, decided that I really wanted to go for it and, and, and make a career in um, you know art history, curating, working with contemporary artists, I actually got my first job in the art world working in the in the shop and as a visitor assistant because it just meant that I was in that world. I was in the gallery, I was on gallery. And um, it was in the days where you would get uh, jobs advertised internally. So I knew I had to be on the inside of this in order to see those jobs. And thank goodness it's 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 not happening anymore. But and that's how, that's how it happened. I ended up 
a few years later running the John Moore's painting prize at the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool. And um, and again, just got to see, you know, 3,000 submissions every two years from, from contemporary painters. And, you know, I just absolutely loved it and uh, would just revel in looking at those works as they came in and just seeing that, you know, the temperature of British contemporary painting at that time, you know, seeing what materials people were using, what styles they were painting in. Um, and it was great to just see that thematic kind of analysis of what was going on in with lots of different artists across the UK. So, so yeah, really, really loved it. So it started in one place, but, but um, really quite quickly progressed to a, another place. Yeah, like like all good things, I suppose you might think you know what you're doing, but um, it's more about the journey. So you have to follow oh, up. Yeah, absolutely. So I was I was thinking then about what you were saying in relation to um, to community, and I know that your interest in art uh, is very broad in respect to who is an artist, and I've always found that mm -hmm. one of the most interesting aspects of your work and. One of the things we were very keen to make really clear at the beginning of Stone Club is that Stone Club is for everyone and um, it doesn't require a degree in archaeology or um, uh, geology or, or any ology. Um, in fact, um, all of those things are fantastic and we really welcome the archaeologists and geologists and specialists we have as part of the community because they add something amazing in that, you know, people like myself wouldn't know without it. But equally important are poets or um, young people that don't have a specialism or you know they might even say I don't know what I don't want to do when I grow up um I've always been one of them I still might be um and um and so you know there's space for everybody to contribute without fear of feeling inadequate or wrong um and I love the I think the first conversation we ever had or one of them was really around your approach to who is an artist and and um and the difference i suppose between qualification and um and being a practicing artist um it'd be interesting to hear some more of your views on that you know after everything you've done because i just think it's really refreshing i i think from my point of view you know I, i've had um and can i just say like i'm a member of stone, stone club now i'm actually like a full-on member I've joined, I've got my badge, I love it. I, I work with Pride kind of um, a couple of weeks ago when I went to my first Stone Club event. So I'm totally in there now with you guys. Like I totally love it, all all of it. Um, and for me, I, I, I've always been really interested in um, artists who um, have experienced mental health challenges and physical health challenges and challenges of, might have mean that they didn't go to art school for instance so I'm really interested in people who are creating work they wouldn't necessarily even think about themselves as artists and yet sometimes we come across bodies of work that are so astounding and honest and yet the person the individual may never think of the work as artwork because they don't think of themselves as artists and for me that's some of the most interesting work that i've ever seen and i've i've traveled um to america and japan and switzerland to seek that work out you know to actually see uh what is this work that's being produced the, the these beautiful sometimes honest um really 
impactful works that are created by people who would never call themselves artists. And and I think that we've always revered our artists, you know, our poets, our playwrights, our musicians, we've always revered them. But I do feel as if there is a whole body of, you know, people who, who would never put themselves into that classification. However, the work is so impactful yeah that that you can't help but but think of those people as artists you know so i think sometimes there can be a great weight of expectation that goes with the with the word artist or the name or the the kind of definition and the boundaries around that um and i think sometimes it's helpful but but sometimes I don't know, we need to ha- almost have another word. I really like it when people are called creatives, you know, because that I feel as if like that, I don't know how you feel about that, Matthew, but I, I always think of you as an artist, as a creative, you know, because you, you're involved, you're like a polymath, you know, you're, you're involved in like so many different things. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I just find it fascinating how people really feel as if they, they almost apologetically sometimes say, oh, am I an artist? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which isn't, it's not, it, you know, it's completely irrelevant, isn't it? Really? It, it's not really helpful. You know, who cares whether you're called an artist or, or not? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I, I take your point and I completely agree. You know, I think expressing creativity through whatever way, you know, feels right for you, whatever's helpful is the more important mm-hmm. thing. And, um, people, you know, people that would ask you where you studied, for example, um, yeah. you know, if you said yeah. you were an artist would be the least helpful question. That's sort of what I mean. Um, it's sort of like, yeah. it, it doesn't really matter. What's that got to do with the art? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, and I think this is, I think this is really important in relation to, to ancient sites as well. When I see rock carvings and, you know, and rock art around, around the world, or I see things where they're carved in like, you know, around Wales, particularly I've seen a lot on the North York Moors and, um, uh, and, and thinking about who created those pieces of work and are they, you know, are they star maps? Are they musical notation? Are they sacred symbols? Are they doodles? You know, are they teenagers? Um, you know, okay. making a mark on a wall. Um, yeah, but they're Absolutely. just. Mm. I mean, I just love that. I, and, and for me, you know, sometimes the threshold of an art gallery can be really intimidating to lots of people. And so what I love is actually walking into a field where I know that there's something interesting that might have been there for, you know, 4,000 years or whatever. And I love the fact that, um, like last weekend during the the Stone Club event, I I, I went to the kind of organised bit of it which was to go into the burial chamber in Anglesey um, and actually hear one of your your pieces actually your soundscape that was in there which was which was so um evocative i absolutely loved it and and what was really interesting was i i went in there and you could see carvings on the rocks and it was almost like at that moment it was like the the five thousand years in between those those kind of you know those images taking form those 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 um carvings those you know the when they were made it was almost like the five thousand years in between me standing there and when they were made had just disappeared Mm. because whatever it was whatever the reason was that they had made those marks on those stones inside the burial chamber 
it was like the passage of time had just disappeared because I was standing exactly where they must have been standing when they created those those marks and there was just something magical about that and I think every time I see that on a standing stone or on a you know a, a, a stone that's in the middle of a field or you know wherever it is there's just something that the time in between me and the person who made the mark has just disappeared and yeah. and, and there's just some knowing that your your feet are on the same ground as theirs were yeah. you know it's like it's just I don't know how else that happens like you you time travel to each other you know it's it's kind of um it's just remarkable and, and something that i i love absolutely love that um there's no barrier between you and them except the time that has just shrunk you know it's just wonderful absolutely wonderful yeah that's an incredible feeling isn't it i i, I think it's one of the my favorite things actually about visiting those places all of a sudden you know you put your hand on on a stone you know yesterday i was out in west penwith i put my hand on one of the stones and i was like you know people have been doing that for six thousand years here absolutely absolutely and it, and it is did, i mean did you feel it was almost like the time those six thousand years just kind of disappears because just at that moment you are physically in exactly the same space as somebody else was six thousand years ago yeah 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 it's it, it's hard to describe how that makes you feel isn't it because it is a profound feeling and it is it is otherworldly because it is time travel really because this you know th this is a monument that's seen civilizations rise and fall it's seen everything emerge collapse and re-emerge and you know we go along and we go out to see it of, a, of an afternoon or a day or however long and um you know for a little while we can commune with it and for a little while we can try and understand it absolutely. a little bit absolutely and i think it is that you know for me it's it's when i it's when i'm in the presence of something like that you know a standing stone like when we when we looked at you know the film a year in a field and there was that four thousand year old kind of standing long stone in the middle of a field in cornwall and just thinking about what that stone has witnessed through time what it's seen who who you know who are the kids that have played at the bottom of that stone who are the who are the who is is the farmer who has um kind of sown seed and 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 plowed it back up again over thousands of years around that standing stone i mean it's just and i love the fact that so many of them i mean obviously people will know stonehenge and the fact that you can no longer you know be in touch with the stones but there are so many other stones where you can kind of stand as close as you want to them and place your hand on them and um and i just think there's something wonderful about that whole there's no barrier between you and you and the person who has also stood there you know it's yeah. um i just think it's a remarkable way of time travel yeah so what what would be your most often visited sites and stones do you think i mean either locally or just you know forever really but where 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 do you keep getting called back to is there a particular place yeah so i, I um i think because of you and stone club i'm going to constantly be called back to anglesey now <laughs> because that was remarkable because i went to see like one 
burial chamber and then of course then somebody mentions oh actually there's another one up the road so I ended up going to that one and in between rain showers I ended up going to a third one and the third one was brilliant because it's just in a field of sheep you know it's called the mushroom burial chamber and it's just a there's no bodies in there anymore it's just it's almost like the entrance stones if you like are there and I love the fact that they're just in a field of like hundreds and hundreds of sheep it's just in the middle of the field and on a sign on the edge of the field said no entry to the field except if you're going to the monument so it's kind of like I kind of had to had to walk right through like the sheep but it was just um just brilliant but locally we've got um so we've got uh Bidston Hill here um and Bidston Hill has always been a place of mythology and um there's um carvings on the hill at Bidston Hill um carvings into the sandstone there and I think as kids we always went up there and we were always kind of in awe of what are these shapes these forms are they faces are they communication from somebody from thousands of years ago you know there's um dinosaur prints as well locally and in the in the sandstone of kind of just public public paths you know public parts of the of the landscape and and so i think for me um i'd always kind of known about them and i'd always been kind of drawn to them and always thinking about like the stories behind their creation so locally they're the the ones that are most local to me they're just like 10 minutes of the road amazing they they sound fascinating though as well all the way from dinosaur prints right the way through like in place and is that is that in liverpool itself it's on the Wirral, on the yeah. Wirral actually. So, um, so um, obviously you've got the Mersey that runs in between Liverpool and Wirral. But in Liverpool, <clears throat> we've got some amazing standing stones again that you can just go and see for free. And they are the original Colter stones, um, which is what Colter Stones Park is named after. Um, but they are just there and you can just go and see them. And they are, I, I don't know what their history is, but I presume they've been there for thousands of thousands of years and have witnessed all of those changes like all of the changes that Liverpool's been through you know all of those kind of all of everything to to the recent like industrial age like they they witnessed it all just and it's something about just silently witnessing all of that that I think is um is just so mystical and magical and I think even if you don't really understand why it's interesting or you yeah i i don't know anything about archaeology i know about old paintings <laughs> i don't know about, about anything else but i don't know there's just something about being in nature and um just being outdoors and just not having anybody who can tell you the right thing or the wrong thing to think about that because mm. it's just there mm. kind of waiting to discover really yeah i i think urban urban stones really fascinate me the fact that they you know they might have been moved or they might have been replaced or positioned at times when they're in cities i'm thinking of london stone as well and you know things that have these histories and are written about in you know like for hundreds of years and been around for thousands or tens of thousands Uh, and there's something amazing about seeing um prehistoric stones in urban settings but there is something about the quest and the journey for for getting out of the city as well isn't there and getting out of um more built up areas and and like you just said about you know getting into nature and i know that was one of the things we were really keen to encourage 
Um, Stone Club started after that period where we had an enforced, you know, stay at home period of time. So, yeah. and then there were varying degrees of how comfortable people were with being in public spaces again, but um, outdoor spaces were definitely preferable for everybody, I think, across the board than, you know, more confined indoor spaces. And, um, and just some of those sort of like, I don't know, uh, you know, added sort of benefits that come with it that you might not be considering. You know, I'm just thinking about myself. I'll sit here with the modern antiquarian or an Auden survey map or Googling the name mm. of a site. And I'll just be thinking, how do I get from here to there? Like, you know, from driving where to a park, if I'm on public transport, where can I get a bus? And then how do I get there without getting really lost or really annoying a farmer by you know, <laughs> ending up in the middle of a field that I shouldn't be in? But um but I just but I just think there's something like gorgeous about that though, because like in all the places that I've visited or happened upon by accident or just been curious about like why is there a massive stone in the middle of that field over there? Like is is it is it an ancient stone or is it from like a nineteen fifties housing estate that used to, you know, it's yeah. like so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell the difference between, you know, I would totally believe if somebody said, no, no, it's been here, here for a million years, I would be like, oh, okay, then, you know, I'd totally be in it. But I think there's something gorgeous about, um, about that idea of farmers actually being like really or almost honouring the stones that they have on yeah. their land. Yeah, allowing to have access to them. So, like, if you were going on their land for any other reason, they'd be like, you know, you know, not very, very happy about it. But there's almost something about the collective ownership of these stones that are just there um, that I just think is amazing. And I think for me, being out there, just putting your wellies on, is kind of really reminds me of, or just kind of just like recharges my kind of like nature connectedness if you like I don't even know if that's a word but it's almost that connection to our past to nature being outdoors being in the sunshine or the rain whatever and kind of just piquing my curiosity to kind of want to find a little bit more out about why that stone is there um and again I think that's what's brilliant about the stone club because if I wasn't a member of Stone Club and if I didn't know you um, I wouldn't have seen the post on Instagram about you opening a burial chamber that's normally closed yeah. um, and actually g giving people like free access to a site that actually used to belong to the people still belongs to the people but for its own because there are the carvings into the into the standing stones within the chamber and also those beautiful like swirling round carvings that are that have been made in stone um like i wouldn't have known to go there so i think there's something lovely about belonging to a bit of a club um and kind of collectively like meeting other people because i met other people there that i'd never met before or that i thought i'd never met before it turns out they'd met me before um there's just something gorgeous about just all of us being lost at the same time <laughs> kind of just collectively collectively being drawn to these places of um yeah just just beauty and and just that just that time travel yeah and it is an amazing coast isn't it where that particular site is you know you sort of go along there and just go wow you know i might never have really stopped or taken notice of this place before when you look out to sea you know well, what's really weird is I've actually been to that. So, so the burial mound is on a is on a hill, 
And then the beach that is actually just below the burial mound. I've been to that beach like several times and I never realised there was a burial mound there. Um, and I think it was it was because I met other people and then we ended up sitting on the beach drinking coffee for an hour and just having the most amazing conversation. And again, but it was because we'd been drawn to the same kind of Stone Club event and, and the same kind of idea of being allowed into this kind of sacred space, you know. Um, yeah, but I just love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's such a great idea. How many members have you got now? Must be thousands. It's just... I think it's just short of 3,000 today. Incredible. I mean, that's incredible. And and when you speak to people about why they join, what's the overarching like reason why people join? Is it is it because they're curious like I am, or is it because they want to be part of a, you know, to get out there and find out more? Or what's their reason for joining? Well, I think the most common is probably that people really love stones in these sites you know or uh, sometimes there's there's one particular place um that's important either from childhood or, or or you know or something like that sometimes it's because um they've just you know moved somewhere or they've you know met someone or they've gone somewhere and and that place has taken on this this added meaning um but i think well, actually, one of the things I love the most about it, having set it up, is we've got a bit on the website um, that's called Your Stones, and there's a page on there called Archive as well. And um, they're almost the same thing, but Your Stones is when people will go um, and they'll visit a site like you did la last weekend, and then yeah. Stone Club members send us in their photos and a sort of diary entry or field notes of their day and who they met and what they yeah. did. And the amount I'm learning mm -hmm. from people and the amount of sites I'd never heard of before at all, you know, because they're, they're lesser known. That's amazing. And the archive one I really love because that was because people started sending us photographs of themselves, say, 30 or 40 years ago as a child um, at a site and then a photo of them in the same place now. And that's dissolving yeah. time because the, yeah. the stones look almost exactly the same. The landscape might have changed a bit, you know, like the telegraph poles a bit different. But effectively, yeah. what you're doing is you're you're traveling back 30 years, standing in a place. Maybe yeah. you're not with the people you were with anymore. Maybe they're not here. Um, yeah. but, but for that moment in time, you're connected back through time with them because you had that moment. You shared that moment together. Um, and I found mm. that really exciting sort of like spine tingling kind of idea absolutely and i love the fact that people are connecting in that way because i think for me i i did something recently where somebody asked me about um why i'm particularly drawn back to what why i'm drawn back to particular paintings and i talked about um art as an anchor so almost like when when your life is in kind of really choppy waters um what is it that you gravitate back to that kind of ground you again that kind of tells you actually we've been here before we we've done this before we can get through this bit and then you'll go back and that that object that painting that stone will still be there next time as well and I talked about artworks being our anchors in in those in those really really tumultuous and difficult waters and how we are drawn back to find them and drawn back to kind of that connectedness and I feel like lots of people have got that with 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 their stones because it feels as if they are places and times that if everything else changes in your life if 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 the whole world changes 
you can still go back to that field or you can still go back to that place and you will still find that stone just really quietly just waiting there and it's almost like there's a reassurance there that those foundations those anchors are kind of really important to us as humans so i feel as if the way that i feel about some paintings particular paintings lots of other people feel like that about their stones and their places yeah i think that the idea of anchor artworks and anchor stones again it's mm. it's such a powerful idea because if you are in a position where you need something to hold on to or you've got something that's 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 troubling you or something that's traumatic or, or you know or something that's just very sad uh, or even just you know very affected by the turn of events in the world at the moment uh, you know in the future for for everybody um having a place where you can go and feel safe and yeah. uh, at peace um and, and that doesn't have to rely on or organization or, or or religion but it can include spirituality or, or yeah. those things um because it's not exclusionary that's an amazing gift isn't it at a time when there is uh you know difficulty absolutely absolutely and i think you know i do think it's really interesting like where did people gravitate to after we came out of lockdown after we all experienced that collective trauma um, of being locked down and not being able to access lots and lots of places. Um, you know, I often ask people like, where was the first place you went to when lockdown was lifted? Where was, and you could drive further than Wales or whatever for me. Um, where was the first place you went to? And I just find it fascinating because the first, one of the first places I went to was actually the coastline because I wanted to see the sea because it had been so long. And for me, it was really important to see that and sit on the rocks again and kind of experience all of that. Um, and it's, I think it's really interesting which, which stones people had to go back to, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, I think we've also seen recently like a collective um, outpouring around uh, when we lost this, um, the gap tree at Hadrian's wall. And now that, and now the story is coming out that the wall um, and the stones around the wall have actually been damaged as well. So I think that we have a great empathy when when things like that happen to to places that we really really care about that are just there and can be enjoyed by everybody. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. The connection's really really strong, isn't it? And people feel really protective over yeah. over yeah. those those aspects, which is you know which is fantastic to to see coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hopeful. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think for me, that's ultimately what all of the work comes down to. All of the work you do, all the work, all of the work I do, it's optimism and hope. And I, I hope that all of the stones that I've ever visited will absolutely outlive me and my children and my children's children, and that um, they will constantly keep bringing, bringing people to them, and and they will be the anchor for other people as as time goes on, you know, thousands of years, maybe when you, <laughs> you and I are long gone, but there is just something about their longevity. And they're just like, you know, they've witnessed it all, they've seen it all, they, 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 they I don't know, there's just something miraculous about that. So, um, so yeah, I love it. Bring on the next adventure, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I, you know, I completely agree with all of that and, and absolutely bring it on. Like I look forward to seeing you at some, some stones again somewhere soon in the next few weeks. I'm wearing my badge all the time. Like, 
<laughs> everyone's like what's that and i'm like okay i'm, I'm a member of stone, stone club i've got a number and everything now so um i'm fully into it like fully yeah absolutely <laughs> it's been it. such a pleasure to chat and and i'm so glad i'm so glad because yeah it's um yeah it's such a pleasure and i can't i can't wait to i can't wait to see you at some stones so thank, thank you so much angela samata oh no thank you so much for having me i've loved it all So back we go to Michael, Louise and Lally and we'll continue on our walk. He was a monk. <laughs> so where did he live? Like up up on the top? Oh aye. Yeah, I know his house up here is great. Um, it's, it's, a, it's essentially an abandoned village, you know, probably um, like a famine type village, but I don't think it was a famine village as such. Yeah. But um, there was a an old Cistercian monk who was up here until about 20 years ago. There's a good book that actually explores this like, village and sort of really put it on the map. It was called Silver Linings. It came out about 20 years ago. And it uh, put the place, you know, up until, and then Game of Thrones came and built the the fake plastic cottage on it. So essentially, it's just, everybody's just coming really to see that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of people parked in the lay-by. Yeah, that's um, it. And it, but it's so dramatic with the coast, the coast view's incredible. Oh, it's the walk up, is the, the magic here guys, it's unreal. And, it's and is this, are we looking across to an island here? Uh, you're, that's Rathlin, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, that's yeah. Rathlin Island. Is and then this is the coastline as it goes around. Yeah, no, that's, that's gotta be Rathlin. Yeah, there's Bally Castle, that's Rathlin there, yeah. yeah. And then Ailsa, the Maiden's Lighthouse, I, I can see that from my place. So that's, is that Ailsa Craig there? Yeah, I think that's Ailsa Craig, yeah. And that's Rathlin. I love the ghostly silhouettes of them on the yeah. horizon there. And then it's so rough and craggy and wild looking, isn't it? Yeah, awesome. It's a powerful place. Do you remember the first time you came here? Did you did you come here before? You know, before it no, I was relatively late comer. Yeah, place, to be honest with you, I suppose um, though, like you say, it wasn't really on the map for people coming. I'd, and I'd heard about it. I mean, it was only really when, whenever you know, Game of Thrones used it as a location. Yeah, that uh, it was easy to find because there was always cars parked outside. Yeah, so you'd be able to go, "What's those cars parked there?" And they'd see a path. Ah, that's the hidden village. So, yeah, not so hidden now. So, it's. You wouldn't. You would. You would drive down that road, and you would never think there was a village up here, up that no. path. You know what it's going to be. Yeah. It's interesting how all these sites are on the tops of hills as well. Yeah. So far, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure there was probably anything up to a hundred people living here at one time. And was it? An, was it a very old village? Was it an ancient village that went back a very long time? Yeah. Well, you know? it, yeah. It probably, it probably goes back three, four hundred years. Yeah. No, look, looking at the stone structure, what's left? Yeah. We've, yeah, it's definitely 300 anyway. Maybe 400 years old, could be older. Uh, so, as I say, when there's other, uh, I don't think there was ever a church associated with the place. Yeah. So, but there would have been a church here ne- nearby that they would have walked to. Yes. Somewhere for the nearest. And it doesn't look like farming land though, particularly, does it? I wonder grazing if it was like, sheep. Yeah, grazing, yeah. livestock. It's all sheep territory around here. Um, usually when you get over this brow of the hill, you'll 
see a few of our horned friends. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking about. Sounds good. Field. Looking down out to the islands and across the sea, there's some very ancient field boundaries. A very higgledy piggledy, lumpy, stony, harsh looking land to farm. But there's clearances here as well and enclosures where the stones have been moved. Um, but it's incredibly dramatic, beautiful, beautiful landscape. It's full of stories. There, one with the, the the roof, which is still intact. Oh yeah, on the left there. On the left there, yeah. I see all the grazing now. We're definitely in grazing territory. Grazing territory. Now originally, these all would have had thatches on them, and then you know, banger blues and stuff been added on. But I don't know whether when Game of Thrones came here and they used this site, they tarted up a few of the buildings around. Oh, maybe, yeah. You know, to save on CGI costs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, look at that. We can peer inside. Mm. Is Louise coming out the park? <laughs> <laughs> no, She's getting her dinner. I bought her back late last night. It's a good storage shed now, isn't it, that one? <laughs> it is. Some of the fireplaces are really good in these guys as well. They're still there. And so, you know, see the bricks on the outside. Incredible the way those trees have taken root inside as well, yeah. isn't it? And a really long time ago as well. Mm-hmm growing within within the house yeah nature's oh, reclaiming it just just completely reclaims yeah yeah but look how thick the stone walls are you know the last centuries more yeah oh, and there's a waterfall It's just so Tolkien-esque, that isn't it? It is. I suppose they've gone. They've gone for a reconstruction, something like a reconstruction. Yeah. But this stone is incredible, right by it there. Yeah. Sort of like this little part, part here because it's a gate. Yeah. This feels like a very ancient Holloway, doesn't it? Yeah. Down here. Pretty much so. Or a drover's path. Yeah. Well, it would have been a cart path right here, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think it does have that feel yeah. that they would have, you know, or driven cattle up and down. Yeah. This is an ancient drover's way, and it has the Holloway feel where it's gone down, yeah. you know, three or four feet actually, yeah. even here at this the shallow end. And then it would have been probably cotton turf peat up all around here as well. Yeah. Um, you know, wood would have been the main source for the fire, wouldn't it? Exactly. Wooden turf, really. Wooden turf, and then directly ahead we've got a. A waterfall coming down between the two crags. Yeah. So fresh water all the way down, and a, fr and a stream at the bottom, I imagine. Yeah, fresh water, probably all sorts of wells. Yeah. You know, about here too. Yeah. It's a fresh water source, but it wouldn't have been mostly sheep probably up here, wouldn't it? Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Stone Club is hardcore. A beautiful sunset, <laughs> pink sky. Oh yeah. We're in Doch. Yeah, Doch. Uh, as the locals pronounce it, I think. Or Belfast, it's Doak. Doak. But, but what a great dramatic setting for a yeah. standing stone as well. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's got its own rock face and everything. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's like a, a can in its own right here. Uh, yeah. The most incredible sunset going on. What a fantastic bit of driftwood, guys. <laughs> that would be, that's like a pro. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> You could almost mount that on a beam. That's 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 lovely. Yeah, you could probably really put it in the van. <laughs> I'll go to my pub yeah. from Hall Stone. Like that's a lovely bit of ancient wood. Yeah, there. yeah. I think that might be a gift. <laughs> yeah, this is an incredible. It's almost like a natural altar in its own right. This. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly what it's of course, the natural altar. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no way that that's man, that's man made in any form. No. But, no. You know, the fact that they've they've gone to all the, the effort of you know putting stone and a whole stone on it, so it's essentially meant to be like a, a lover's stone. And um, is that gorse? Go- a stone where you would um, make a confession or a deal or a bond. Yeah. Yeah, it's gorse. It is gorse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you bring your, your thorn proofs with you? Yeah. Good man. What's the, the, what's the, um, the other word locally for gorse? There is another name, isn't there? Uh, I keep reading. Is wind it? Bushes. Wind. Uh, yeah. Yeah, wind. <gasps> because they were putting it on the fire in Johnny Joe's and cushions all the other day. Mm-hmm. And it gave us a lot of heat, but it burns very quickly. <gasps> wind. Gorse. Furs. Yeah. Yeah. I like it has three names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's flowering as well. Mm. Ah, yeah, it's, that must be the last that's of it. Yeah, the last of the of the wind Sorry. flowers. Yeah. Mm. We'll do a full circle of the yeah. site, then walk in to mm-hmm. How did you first discover this site, Michael? I knew through a very good friend of mine called Robert Henry. He was like a local historian, folklorist, and you know, man, he was really into you know. And I think Lucy Leagues the Tarek. He was a great guy. Um, yeah. Very good tarot card reader as well. Probably one of the best that was floating about at the time. He's dead about maybe 10 or 15 years now. So he introduced me to this place years ago. It was one of his favourite sites. It was a very special place to him. Um, the country Antwerp's littered with sites, I guess, but this one's particularly special. You know, because it's fairly isolated, isn't it? And you got all that panoramic view everywhere. Yeah, the whole way round. Yeah, it's relatively unspoiled when you get here, apart from the... Old windmills always make it there, don't they? But it's like a natural henge all the way around, and yeah, another one. Staff, oh. Lots of yeah, lo- <laughs> lots of fallen branches. Oh, it's me initiation. Oh, the old gods take me. Yeah. an oath or something and he was condemned to be a, a black horse 
something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've conne that. connected yeah. to this site. Yeah. I think he was condemned to roam around as a, as a black horse. Not a bad life, really. Good. I like this entrance climbing up climbing up the stone altar yeah onto the top through the wind the gorse oh my gosh here's the whole stone wow this is incredible It's so unexpected. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden to be stood here. Yeah. In the You carry that on ball over the street and you never know that this is here. It's very Highlander, isn't it? What do you call it? Yeah, I mean, if you didn't know that, yeah, there would be no way of knowing, would there? Yeah, you might even give up, actually. Like, you knew it was here, but you didn't know. Yeah, happened, right? I mean, that, that one's reasonably well marked, mm. isn't it? It is. No, yeah, you would. You, you, you would. There's no visuals. Like, there's, you're telling right. There's no giveaway. That's there. But look at that, the wear and tear on that of years of people putting their hand into that. Yeah. You know, like the wear. There's been a lot of marriages. Yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of oaths. Do you think they've lasted? Well? Yeah, I think <laughs> I if think you if you make an oath yeah. here, yeah. an oath here. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think it's very important. And I suppose healing as well. Yeah, I think yeah. there's still a lot of hand fastings going here. I'd say there'd be a I'm lot sure, of people yeah, yeah. hand fast here. What's a hand fast? Like a sort of a Celtic version of a, of a marriage, like a bond between two <gasps> people. Yeah. But you would, you would tie your the hand oh, together, yes. yeah, like a hand yeah. fasting, yeah. 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 It's worn. It's actually worn smooth in the hole from <laughs> yeah, the amount of hands that have passed through here that's over the years. Over the years and the amount of. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably more. It's like a balance of the feminine and the, the male. Yeah. It, it's mm -hmm. not, it, it doesn't come across no. as one or the other. It's, it's nice, isn't it? Summer's evening, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, under that, it'd be a nice, be some wonderful dreams coming out there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Somebody knew what they were doing when they put the stone here, didn't yeah. they? Oh, they did. Our ignorant ancestors. <laughs> yeah. Bloody animal skins. This is all they could afford. <laughs> At the butcher shop. At the, the flashers. Bloody animal skins last night. Thanks for listening to Stone Club Walks and Talks. You can find us in all the usual places, Instagram, Twitter, and of course our website, stoneclub.rocks. And don't forget to like and share the podcast. We'll be back soon with another walk and another talk. Goodbye. Goodbye.